Think about this. I mean, you're, you're in church right now. I mean, you're not in the building, but we are meeting together as a church family. So you are in church right now, which means you ought to act respectfully. I know you're at home, but you ought to be paying attention. Uh, don't be playing a game on your, I mean, you, I can't, you know, if you do that in church, I can see you and I might call you down, but I can't do it now because I can't see you. So, so pay attention. I trust that you'll do that. Rejoice in the fact that you get to come to church today and you'll have to go out in the rain. We had to go out in the rain to get here to do this, but you didn't have to go out in the rain. Didn't have to deal with that. So you can just watch it from at home, and I hope it'll be an encouragement, a blessing to you. And I do hope you've had a good week. I don't know how you've occupied yourself this week. Um, there are, um, the, you know, the things that you can do are kind of restricted. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can do. Um, there's not much place to go or places that you would normally go to do things. You can't, you can't do them right now. So, uh, so what do you do? You know, most of us sit home and try to get some other things done. I've been, I've done some work in the yard and there's still a lot more that needs to be done. Uh, Lowe's is covered up because people are going to get stuff to do things at home. And that's, that's a good thing. Um, I've done some writing and there's some other things going on. But the other thing that I do a lot of that you probably do a lot of is watching the news. You watch the news? If you watch the news, raise your hand. All right? I can't see anybody at home, but I'm sure you all had your hands up. Everybody here did. Uh, we watch the news. And you know what? Watching the news is not a lot of fun because there's nothing there that gives us much hope. Uh, if you watch the news, you hear all kinds of different things. Uh, they talk about, some people say, that we're not going to get back to normal until we get to the place where they have a vaccine for the virus. Well, you know how long that's going to be. They say that's a year to 18 months. That's a long time. To, I mean, I, I got a lot of projects at home that need to be done, but I think I'll probably run out by that time, uh, be ready to do something else. But that's a long time. And uh, and the news, there's there's not anything very positive about the news. But you know, we do have a better option. Instead of spending time watching the news, maybe we want to spend time getting information from the place that's going to provide encouragement and hope. Amen. If we talk about the news, let me, let me just give you, I'm going, to, I'm going to mention several things that are true about the news. The news is inaccurate. You know, and, and sometimes intentionally so. You know, the news, the news reporters, they come on and they'll take three words out of a speech that somebody makes and they'll use those three words and build a whole thought around those three words that is completely the opposite of what the guy who said it intended. That's the way the news media operates. So the news media is inaccurate. But you have a source that we can access that is always true. There's never any inaccuracies. There's never any falsity, falsehood in, 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 in the Word of God. Um, the, the news is uh, uncertain. 
you hear it in the morning and you go back and you look at it in the evening and you get a different story. And by the way, uh, it's amazing to me how many people get their news off of sources like Facebook or uh, Twitter or all, all kinds of, of social media uh, sites. And those things are notoriously wrong because anybody can write whatever they want to write and put it on there and they can state that they heard it from a, an accurate source, but that doesn't mean that what they say is true. And then it gets repeated on Facebook, it gets repeated again and repeated again, and then everybody shares it, and then the next thing you know, everybody says, oh, listen, did you hear about this? This is what happened when it didn't happen at all. It's just somebody's opinion that is, that is off. So the news is, is uncertain. The Word of God is sure. There's no, there's no uncertainty in the Word of God. The news is biased. The word of God is absolutely just. Amen. The news is negative. The word of God is exceedingly positive, especially for a child of God. The news, you watch the news and you come away from it and you're depressed. But if you spend time in the word of God, you're going to come, upon, come away encouraged. Now I saw a, uh, a story from the religious news service. And they said that if someone could gather up all the Bibles, either being used or gathered in dust in American homes, how many of you have more than one Bible at home? Most of us do. I counted this morning before I came to church. And I think I counted seven Bibles that I have. That's not counting my wife's. And I've got my mom's Bible, my dad's Bible in storage, you know, and all of that. And then I've got five or six at the church. We, we all have multiple Bibles. But if you can gather up all the Bibles that are either being used or gathering dust in American homes, the stack would be 29 million feet tall. Think about that. 29 million feet tall. It would be a tower that would rise more than 5,400 miles. To compare, you know, the, the space station, the International Space Station that's orbiting around the Earth, at its highest point, it's 278 miles. So 5,400 5, miles the stack would be, 278 miles. You know what? That's a, lot of, that's a lot of power in the homes of those of us who know the Lord and some people who don't know the Lord. So this morning, I want to encourage you by sharing with you the benefit of spending time in the Word of God. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm 19, if you would. Psalm 19. And uh, I'm going to read the first part. We're going to focus on the, the middle part of the psalm. But uh, David here is the psalmist. And he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You understand that God's greatest testimony of who he is and his power is found in his creation. It's what he's done. I mean, you just, all you have to do is look around and you know that there has to be a, a, a sovereign power who's in control of all of this. And everybody sees it. Verse four says, their line has gone out through all the earth 
and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. That's just the, the one star that God created, the sun. And it has a great deal of influence, and it is a testament to God's creative power, to God's sovereign control. But beginning in verse number 7, I want you to, I'm going to list here for you five different benefits that are found here with regard to the, the Word of God and why we ought to spend time in the Word of God on a regular basis. The first one is this, and that is the life-giving power of the law. David, David refers to the Word of God as the law of God. And, uh, and so we're going we're to refer to it as the law as well. But the life-giving power of the law. Notice in verse number 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now when the Bible says perfect, that word perfect literally means to be complete and without blemish. This book has everything in it that we need to know about how to become a Christian, how to live the Christian life, how to, to honor the Lord, how to make sure that our lives mean something, that we're not just putting in time, but we're doing something that is not only pleased to God, that is, but, the, but is beneficial for people, people that we know. It's perfect, complete, without blemish. And the Bible says that it converts the soul. You understand that when you got saved, that the law had an impact in that choice that you made. We make a, a fatal mistake, I believe. If we try to, to present the gospel to somebody who needs to be saved without involving the law of God. Paul said that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The truth is, none of us have the ability in our flesh to meet the standards of the law. We usually start out when we talk to somebody about their need of Christ. We say that the Bible says that we're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What that means is that we are, we are in a, an adversarial position to God because of our sin. We've been set apart from Him. Our sin creates a barrier between us and God. And the fact that that is true helps us to understand that if we're going to have a relationship with God, there's got to be something else happening. I, I, I can't get there on my own. God can't accept me the way I am. I am lost and I need help. Unless somebody understands they're lost, then they can't be saved. Somebody, somebody who just decides that they're going to use the idea of salvation as a good luck charm that's going to get them to heaven... That's not salvation. Salvation is recognizing that we are, we are separated from God by our sin and we need His help. Um, one time I can remember as a child when I found myself in a situation in the middle of a lake and, uh, and I could not swim at that time. Now I later went on and, and learned how to swim and became certified 
as a lifeguard and, and served as a lifeguard at, at camp for several years. But at that time, this was when I was when I was young, and I got I went down a slide and the water was deeper than I thought it was, and uh, and when I went to reach for the bottom, it wasn't there, and so I kept bobbing, you know, up and down. And, uh, and after a while, I realized that I was needed some help. I couldn't get out of that situation by myself. And the lifeguard came out to rescue me. And when he did, the first thing he said was he grabbed me and he turned me around. He said, now, now just relax. Just relax. And I said, relax? You've got to be kidding. I'm, I'm about to drown here. Don't you understand that? That's not a place where you relax. He said, just relax. I'll take care of you. And when I finally did, then he grabbed me, he kept my head above water, and, and he, he swam to the side, and I was, I was okay. A person, before they can get saved, needs to know that they're drowning in their sin, and the law is the means to do that. So the, the law of the Lord is perfect, and it's the, one of the primary means whereby we realize our need of a Savior. We need to be careful to make sure that we include that when we're sharing the gospel with those that are lost. But notice in the second part of the verse, it says the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. First step is understanding that you're lost. Second step is understanding what you need to be saved. And it's the testimony, it's the testimony of the Lord that makes us wise unto salvation. And those who get saved have to do so with the spirit of a child. So it's a, it's a, it's a simple thought. It's not, it's, those who have great wisdom or great knowledge from an academic standpoint, they sometimes have a hard time accepting Christ because they think they have answers. But a child knows that they don't have any answers. And so the testimony of the Lord is is sure making wise the simple the life-giving power of the law the 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 word of god is is the power that we need to be converted secondly the joy-giving power of the law look at verse number eight the first part of the verse the bible says the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing the heart i mentioned earlier the situation with the news you know you you watch the news and you hear something that may sound encouraging and so you get excited about that and you're and you're thankful that you know they're making progress on the vaccine or they got something that'll treat COVID-19 or those things you know we we, we listen and we're eager to hear that and we and we we uh, we accept everything they say in as positive a light as we can because we want it to be over but then you watch later in the day and it's not the same. Somebody else tell you a different story. And then it's discouraging again. Well, the Bible says that the statutes of the Lord are right. They're always right. There's never a mistake. You read the Word of God and what you read today is going to be true next week and next month and five years from now. And a hundred years, a thousand years from now, throughout eternity, it's always going to be the same. You can depend upon it. And I'll tell you the truth. I can have much more, I have much more joy if I have my source of information that is dependable. If I know that it's true and I know that I can count on it. 
I don't have to worry about whether it's going to change or not. And so that is joy. You want joy in the middle of the, the situation that we're dealing with? Then spend time in the Word of God because it's never going to Amen. deceive you. It's never going to be uncertain. You're going to get what you need if you'll do that. Number three, we see the light-giving power of the law. Look at the second part, second part of verse number eight. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word pure means clean or clear. There's no ambiguity in Scripture. There's nothing there that is, that is confusing. There are things that we don't understand because we're humans and we're looking at things from a finite perspective, from a human perspective. We can't, we, we don't see things clearly as far as eternity is concerned. But as far as those things that God tells us that are beneficial to us and our walk with Him, it's always clean and clear and pure. There's not any, there's not any cloudiness there. The, the commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens the eyes. James says, if any man lack wisdom, what's he to do? Let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it, what? It shall be given him. If we need wisdom or we need direction in our life, then we can ask the Lord to do that and he does it through his word. Guidance that he gives us, direction, understanding, the Spirit of God lives in our heart and He'll help us to understand that which we need to help us to know what God wants us to know. So we see the life-giving power of the law. The, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. See the joy-giving power of the law. The testimony of the Lord. Uh, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The uh, light-giving power of the Lord. Uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And then we see number four, the purifying power of the law. Look at verse number nine, the first part of verse number nine. He says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Fear is moral reverence. It is understanding who God is and what he deserves from us. Now we spent a time several years back, I spent several weeks, several, in fact a couple months, going through who God is. We talked about God's character and God's love and God's justice and all of the attributes of God. Who God is. Do you know that you cannot have the respect that you ought to have for God if you don't understand who God is. One of the great problems we have in our society is we are is it's filled with those who call themselves Christians. They have that name in their testimony. If you ask them, do you know, do you know that you're a believer? Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But then they say things and do things and they take positions that are clearly in contradiction to God's character who he is and what he says. They talk about God as if he were just a, a good old boy, you know. They actually, you know, and, and, and I've said this over and over again, it's one of my pet peeves, it's people that make God a slogan. 
You know, you see these shirts. It was one years ago that said things go better. You know the, the Coca-Cola slogan, things go better with Coke? Things go better with Christ. Well, the truth, as it's true, but it is demeaning to the name of our God to refer to him in that way. He's not just, he is our heavenly father. We can cry to him, Abba, father, I'm his child. I can cry unto him and he'll hear me and meet my need. And I can have that kind of a close relationship with him. But he is not a slogan to be put on a shirt. He is not someone that we refer to when we need some help and then ignore him at other times. The truth is, we ought to have a moral reverence for God, a, 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 an appreciation for him that is based upon what we know about him. And so that's the fear of the Lord that is talking about here. And it says the fear of the Lord is clean. And when it talks about cleanliness here, it's talking about purity, but it's a different word than is used earlier. And it has to do with physical cleanliness and moral cleanliness. It, it has to do with us responding to that fear in a way that purifies our lives. We know who God is. And because we know who God is, we know who he is, we know what he's done for us. Our gratitude and our respect for him helps us to be very careful to make sure that our lives bring honor to him. The purifying power of the law. And then in verse number 11, well, look at the second part of verse number 9. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's also a means of our purification. If we understand that God is just and his judgments are going to be made and, 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 and he is always going to do right, there is the law of sowing and reaping and the fact that, that whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Those things will help us to purify our lives as well. And then look over at verse 11 if you would. Verse 11, the Bible says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So that is the life-preserving power of the law. In other words, we spend time in the Word of God. There are warnings there for us. There's a caution there for us. It helps us to know things that we ought to avoid. You know, there, there are certain natural warning signs in life for everybody. And, and it doesn't matter. I mean, the Lord puts them in place. Some of them have to do with natural law. I mean, gravity, gravity is gravity. And, uh, and somebody says, well, the Lord could have done something about it. That truck or that car went over the cliff and down the hill. The Lord could have done something to stop that. Well, if the guy was uh, doing something that he knew he shouldn't have been doing, if he was drinking or whatever, and he, he was impaired, and he, that caused him to misjudge how fast it was going and how sharp the curve was, then, uh, then that's not God's doing. It's not the Lord's fault that he went over the side and went down the, the, kill, the hill. Anybody's gonna, that's going to happen to it. It doesn't matter. Could God stop the car? He could. 
And, it, and there are cases, I believe, where God puts barriers in the way to keep us from doing worse damage than we should have, uh, than we could have uh, to ourselves. But the fact is, God puts warnings, and there are warnings. And that, in the case of that, went around the curve too fast, there'll be a sign, I promise you, ahead of time, that says maximum speed, 35 miles an hour, or 25 miles an hour, or whatever. And anybody who goes over is probably, has ignored, is probably the situation where they've ignored that warning sign. When we as believers ignore the warnings that God gives us, then we pay a price. But the wonderful thing is God gives us the warnings. He lets us know that there are certain things that if we get involved in, we're going to pay a price. And we have to be careful to pay attention to those warnings. But not only does it say that uh, by, uh, by the, the, the law of God, by these standards, is thy servant warned. It says, in keeping of them, there is great reward. So doing the right thing helps you to get where you need to be. Doing the right thing is going to help your life to be better. It doesn't say that it's going to be perfect. It says that there are rewards for doing what God says to do. And the primary reward is you don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to suffer God's chastening. You don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to pay the price from the sense of just disobeying a, a, a clear warning or disregarding a clear warning from the Lord. And then verse number 10, we skipped over verse number 10. But verse number 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. How great, how strong is your desire for the truth of God's word? How, how much do you long, how, how much of, a, of a, a longing do you have to spend time in God's word? Do you understand the power? We've been talking about the power of the law, the power of God's word. Do you understand the power of God's word? It has the ability to convert you. It has the ability to give you joy in the midst of difficult times. It has the ability to give you wisdom. It has the ability to purify your life. It has the ability to preserve your life. If you're willing to pay attention to what it says. Uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we don't have a lot to do because we're in this situation where we're supposed to stay at home for the most part. And then uh, you stay at home and you clean out closets. Uh, we've been doing some of that. And you do projects around the house and all that kind of thing. And then you contact people that you need to talk to on the phone and you do all those but there's still time left and so sometimes we'll sit down somebody said something about what would we do if we didn't have Netflix you know you get, get through this situation and, and I, I mean nothing wrong with watching a movie from time to time and my wife likes to watch Hallmark movies I hesitate to say this because some of you may not think as highly of me 
as a male, but sometimes I do as well. I like to watch Hallmark movies from time to time. But you know the truth about a Hallmark movie is unlike the news, you always know it's going to come out with a, with, a, with a good ending. I mean, within five minutes, you can, you can, you can identify the female character. And she is probably from some small town and has been working in the big city for the last 15 years. And she has to come home. Maybe there's a health crisis in her family or, or something. She has, to, she has to come home to see about something. And within the, fir the first five minutes again, she will bump into this guy who is her former boyfriend that she hadn't seen for years. And he's really upset because she left him unexpectedly and all this kind of thing. And, uh, and, and, he's, and he's, what he's doing is filling in a, a manhole in a ditch or something with a wheelbarrow. You know, he's doing some kind of menial labor. You find out a little while later that he's just doing that because that's what needs to be done in the, in the town. He's a good guy, but, but he's, he's an attorney. And he also owns one of the prime properties in town and all this kind of stuff, you know. And, and, uh, and then somewhere later in the movie, they'll, they'll, they'll get back together. Everything will be wonderful. And then somewhere later in the movie, the guy that this girl was dating in the big city will show up at the most inopportune time. And he'll come up and hug her and say, oh, I missed you so much. How come you haven't returned my calls? And like clockwork. The guy who was her old boyfriend, who was now getting back together with her, and things were going good, he's going to say, "Well, that's it," and he's going to turn around, and walk off, and that's in that. The, 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 but in the end, what's going to happen? <laughs> They're going to get together. Everything's going to be good. You know, it's going to it's going to work out great. And whatever complications there are, they're going to be able to work through them, and it's going to be exactly the way you want it to be when it's all done. Life's not a hallmark. Things don't happen that way. We, we end up having serious problems. Things come up. I've never seen a hallmark movie where they had a, a life-threatening pandemic in it they had to deal with. That doesn't happen. Life's not a hallmark movie. But we don't have to have that kind of a storyline. Because we have the Word of God. Amen. Our, our end is good. How do we know that? Because we have the Scripture. And it tells us we have a God who's in control. He knows about everything that's going on in our lives. And on top of that, He's given us a spirit to encourage our hearts when we spend time in the Word of God and let the Lord speak to us. So the point is, we can have joy if we'll let the power of the Word of God do its work in our hearts. We don't have to spend our lives being depressed. We don't have to look at everything and say, we're doomed, which is what some people are saying. We don't have to feel that way because we have the Word of God. And the fact that we are shut into our houses ought to give us more time to spend in the Word of God and to let God speak to us and to let Him do the work that needs to be done in our hearts and lives. Gaylord Camborami was the General Secretary of the Bible Society 
in Zimbabwe when he tried to give a New Testament to a very grouchy, hot-tempered man. The man gruffly said he would take the New Testament, but only so he could tear out the pages, roll them up, and use them to make cigarettes. That was his response. Well, Gaylord told the man, said, I understand that. I know that's what you're going to do with it. I understand that. But would you at least promise me that you'll read the page of the New Testament before you make it into a cigarette smoke. So the man agreed, and the two went their separate ways. Fifteen years passed, and the, the, the Gaylord Kambarami was at a Bible conference in Zimbabwe, and guess who came walking up? That guy that he gave the New Testament to. The guy was, was speaking at this, this conference. And it said by that time he had trusted Christ and he was a full-time evangelist. So he's speaking at this conference. When he got up, he said to the people, he told the people, he said, you know what? I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. But when I got to the book of John, I got through the first two chapters and then I came to John chapter 3 and verse 23. And I couldn't keep smoking. He said, the Lord saved me. And I, and, I, and I quit smoking. My life was changed at that moment. Now how did that happen? It was because of this guy who gave him the New Testament. It was his influence. He didn't know him. I mean, it was just a chance encounter. And the guy gave him the New Testament. He didn't know anything about uh, this gay lord, Camarambi. Uh, he didn't know anything about him, didn't know anything about his life. He didn't, he didn't have experience with a bunch of, of Christians where he was. He was going about his business. What made the difference? How did it end up that that guy got saved and the Lord changed him? He became an evangelist. Every time he got ready to, to make another cigarette, he had promised this guy he would read what was on that page before he wrapped his cigarette up and smoked it. And he did that for all of Matthew, all of Mark, all of Luke. And by the time he got to John chapter 3, God had done a work in his heart. How did that happen? It's the power of the Word of God. The impact that Scripture had in the heart and life of that man. How many Bibles do you have at home? Where are they? Are you using the power that God has given you to help you to grow and to help you to become what God wants you to become. Are you using this book to help get you through this time? We spend a lot of time watching the news. Maybe we need to turn off the news and just spend time in the Word of God. God's Word has a message that is accurate, consistent, encouraging and powerful and it can meet every need that we have if we're just willing to spend time with the word of God that's powerful in prayer